0: Do you wonder what life is really like after becoming a parent are you tired of getting bombarded with highlight reels and 15 second clips of how to manage everything from your own life to your kids life parenting styles to your relationships there is a lot of well-meaning information out there but how much can you really gain in such a little snippet well that's where i come in this season you'll be hearing stories and deep conversations of what it's like to be a mom in the modern world including all the the under-the-hood moments that you rarely get to see or hear about. You're going to be hearing from moms across the world to understand how they navigated difficult paths like infertility, perimenopause, disabilities, parenting challenges, and maintaining relationships during those early infant and toddler years. I'm here to normalize the challenges and joys of parenting, mothering, and, well, lifing, because when you hear other people's real-life stories, you get to embrace the full range of the human experience. Let's face it, life as a mom has ups and downs that need to be talked about and normalized. So welcome to season two. I'm your host, Rashida, and welcome to the Parents Connecting Podcast. Subscribe now and tune in so you don't miss out on these real conversations that you won't get anywhere else. And let's get connecting. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And I should say, Happy New Year. Can you believe it that we are already in 2024? I think everybody I spoke to as the year winded down was just shocked that we had reached the end of 2023. It's like, where did the time go? Um, But I am excited for a new year. There are so many things on the horizon. And I hope that you got to spend 2023 with your loved ones, with things that um, you know, amongst the people that you love. And wherever you are in your life, no matter what you're doing, what stage of life that you're in, there's always another day. And, you know, I think that I am so proud of the episodes that we've been able to bring you around all the different topics that we did in 2023. And we've covered a lot. We have covered a lot. We have talked to women across the world. Um, and I am very excited to be bringing you this episode. Darcy Hawkehurst was my guest on the very last episode of 2023, so it seems fitting that she is the first episode of 2024. And I brought her back because if you haven't heard, go back to the last episode. Uh, We talked about all things nutrition, movement, feeling good in our bodies, and as we come into the new year, it's always a great time, right, to reflect on the past year, where you want to make changes, And, um, and so I'm really happy to be bringing you this episode where we really kind of dive a little bit deeper into how how to feel good again. And we talk about hormonal changes. Hormonal changes in terms of peri, perimenopause and menopause, but also hormonal changes that might be disguised um, that are actually related to potentially something else. And that's something else that we talk about on this episode is adrenal fatigue. Darcy walks us through her own story, her own burnout Um, her own kind of changes in her body that she um, had and what she was able to do and create a program for women um, to help them through um, a lot of different changes throughout life. Like, I mean, we are just always stressed out, right? I mean, there's so many things to do. So listen in on this episode. Her program that she has is only once a year and it's January 8th. And so there's still time to sign up for it. And there is a link in the show notes. If you click that link, you will be saving a substantial um, amount of money. You'll get a deep discount on this program. Again, it's only once a year. I highly encourage you to sign up for it, tell a friend, share it with people that are really trying to make changes or that just don't have the right tools and want to do something in community. Darcy really has created such a great following. Not only a great following, but people that have gone through the program that have experienced and sustained really like fundamental changes. I mean, who who doesn't want to wake up in the morning with energy? Who doesn't want to wake up with feeling good about themselves and knowing that they are actually healing their mind and body and everything? And if you have little children or if you have children, that you're just like sharing this across your family. It's great. So I can't talk uh, you know, enough great things about Darcy. Her information is in the show notes. And so without further ado, Let's get into it. Okay. So I know that when we last talked, we talked about all things food and your story about your daughter. And so, this podcast, we want to talk about the perimenopause journey. We need to talk about what perimenopause is what it is to you, if you've had it, where, where nutrition comes into play, and then really just kind of an educational thing. And I never even heard the word perimenopause until last year, early last year, and was just on a podcast and it just was in the back of my mind. And then I went through all these like symptoms. So that's kind of the goal of this podcast. And you can share whatever you want. Really good.
1: Well, um, yeah, so we're let's dive in here. I mean, we're gonna have a great time. So I mean, I think where I'm gonna start, what's kind of unraveling in my brain, and I'm I'm gonna let this flow very organically. I, I think there's so many different things to look at when we are talking about this. And for me, what's interesting is the first thing that comes to mind is what this word even means. You know, as a as a literacy expert and a previous language teacher. I'm always fascinated, I think I think words are important, but I think words, they're only pointers. And I think it's interesting, we have to unravel sometimes the cultural expectations that come for when we use certain words. So for example, perimenopause simply means, peri means like around, you know? So this just literally means around menopause and the word menopause too. So we have to look at kind of where does that word come from? Did you know there are certain cultures, there are certain languages on this planet that don't have words for things like hot flashes, just like in Swedish, there are 35 words for snow, right? Because they need them <laughs> because they're having that experience, you know? And so what this tells me is what we consider perimenopause. So the time being around menopause, leading up toward menopause, which A lot of people, again, they think this is like a switch that happens or something, or a door that opens, or a line that we cross, where suddenly this thing has happened. What I really want to point us to is the fact that a woman's body is always in a state of change, and when we feel uncomfortable in our body, whether that is a hot flash, or a cramp, or a craving, or some, or a headache right? Or some sleeplessness or some emotional angst. When we're uncomfortable in our body, it's nothing more. And I'm not trying to diminish it. What I'm saying is it's a message and it's asking us to pay attention. And we become symptomatic around the things that we are least conscious of. So right now at this time on our planet, I mean, and let's just roll back. Let's look at the last 50 or 60 years, how women were were put under completely put under general anesthetic to have a baby. That we I don't even had.
0: think I realized that.
1: Oh my gosh! Really? Oh My grandmother woke up and like you know they'll hand her the baby when she comes to. Oh, that's such the opposite of what I
0: what I would have you know. I'm like oh people have been having kids at home and home births for you know
1: in the, for twenty years, long. not not sixty. You know that so this is we are and what I'm saying is I think we're in this beautiful time of really women taking their power back and taking their power back for the first time in a long time, because at the same time that that birth is to- totally pathologized in the medical, you know, the medical culture of the West, there are women giving birth uh, with their bare feet on the dirt. You know, and we kind of look at that as like those women are underprivileged. Um, so we have this whole paradigm to unravel, to say what is natural, what really is thriving. And I believe thriving would be there if we weren't getting in its way. I, I don't necessarily think we need to live in huts again to take our thriving back. But I do think we need to look carefully at some of the ways we pathologize what is actually very natural and normal. And I will say this change from a woman's fertility phase into a phase of her life where she is no longer fertile doesn't have to be so dramatic. It doesn't have to be so painful. It doesn't have to be so full of symptoms. And the reason I say that is because I, my own experience. Yeah. So maybe we should, so we, we dove right in. So maybe we should just do a quick
0: introduction. So a welcome back to the show, Darcy, you know, you were on a show um, earlier and we were talking about all things nutrition and how it affects our bodies and you know, I think as women, the the natural sort of, uh, at least for me, was to talk about the change in women. And so, why don't you just give a little spiel about who you are, why you
1: know so much about, you know, what we're going to talk about, and and then we'll dive back in. Hey, so thank you. I'm glad to be here with you, Rashida. Hey, everybody. I'm Darcy. I am the creator of the Vibrant Woman Program, which is a paradigm shifting look at health in a, in a human body, particularly for women that really is intuitively based because my own journey from rock bottom burnout, I had complete adrenal fatigue from the decades that I spent nose to nose with my own brain injured kid fighting for her life, fighting to heal that brain injury so that she would be able to live a life of her choosing of her dreams. Um, By removing, you know, the source of her problems, organizing the brain so that she didn't have to have seizures, so that she didn't have to be medicated for seizures because the medications caused more problems than they solved. And so, you know, I have literally walked this journey and seen the power of the human body and the human brain to regenerate itself, to heal, and to ultimately thrive. So that's where I live now in this place called Thriving. And, you know, I became a metabolic health expert and a a neurological evaluator and a literacy expert all along that journey. And so when I realized that I am living in uncharted territory right now, you know, in the decade that I'm in, most women, my chronological age have long lists of complaints and long lists of things that they have just chalked up to how it's going to be to age in a human body. So what are, so what are some of those things? Because I think as... I know I have a lot of those, <laughs> Sure,
0: Because like, especially after you, after you have kids and like the early stage of like going from married to then having kids to just tired all the time. So why don't you talk about the symptoms that some people feel, and then we can get into, I am I'm interested in your, you're dealing with adrenal fatigue. So I, I'd love yeah. to get into that as well.
1: Well, and so let me just say, I had a lot of these symptoms way back when I had my adrenal fatigue in my thirties. And so I knew that was way too early to be going through what we call, you know, the change, um, or menopause. And I thought, and I, because I was having tons of hormonal issues. So things like chronic steady weight gain, regardless of, you know, how many workouts or how many miles you get in or how many calories you're restricting this chronic steady weight gain, particularly around the middle, the brain fog. So inability to really be, um, you know, clear and in your cognition, in your organization and your creativity. So the struggle that all of us like 30 minutes to try to sort through an inbox, and then we can't remember where we started, right? You know, the brain fog can't made a list, can't find the list. I mean, You know, so all of those symptoms like that, that are neurological in nature. That we, that we sometimes
0: refer to as, which is why I think it becomes almost normalized. It's like mommy brain. Oh, you have mommy brain,
1: right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, You know, but having multiple things to juggle and, and no cognitive bandwidth to hold them all. I think that, you know, I think we have to address that in a couple of ways. One is, is this cultural toxicity around what's expected of women, first of all. But then the support that we have to actually have a healthy body and brain, you know, and then we can get into other specific things that are more clearly pointing toward the hormone imbalance that we really are talking about here. So things like the hot flashes, things like um, the night sweats, things like, I think I said headaches already, um, things like food cravings, you know, and this just lack of energy, this sort of background hum of irritability, moodiness, and um lethargy and all of that really does actually point back to the adrenal glands so what i like women to understand is that a lot of these things that look so normal they look normal because everybody else is having it but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know that's how it was meant to be for our bodies i think what we need to recognize well, I was just, I'm going to
0: stop you because I, there was a, my very first podcast, actually, I had a woman who Kelly Dean was her name, and she, she, she always would say, just because we talked about a diastasis and she's like, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. 90% of women end up having a diastasis maybe after they give birth or whatnot. And, and she really emphasizes that just, uh, just almost reiterating what you said, just because it's common does not mean that it is normal. Just because everybody is having all the symptoms that you just went through it almost seems like, well, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it is, but you're here to tell us that that is not the case. It doesn't have to be that way.
1: Right. And that's, you know, what I really want to say is not that it shouldn't be that way or not that it's wrong that, that, that it's that way for you, but that it doesn't have to be and that there is hope that we can change that. That really is my message is that these symptoms um, of hormone imbalance, which point us back to the root cause of stress, and nutritional deficiencies in the body, um, which again, create, you know, our brains. um, And And how do you know
0: it's a hormone? So, so this might be kind of a simple question, but let's say, so we just kind of rattled off uh, several symptoms. And if you're a mom that could just be, Oh, I'm really tired. Oh, I just had a kid. Oh, I'm going through postpartum. Oh, I'm depressed. How do you know what led you to even um, thinking that there is, cause we're, we're going to talk about two things. We're talking about kind of the perimenopause, but just, hor- just women in general, like hormonal imbalance can mean different things. It can mean actual hormonal imbalance and you're not going through what you just said the change. Um, and I'm, what is, and
1: what is adrenal fatigue? Is that, is that a type of hormonal imbalance? Well, they're all connected and it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg story really, because the adrenal glands, uh, handle it's the body's physiological organ. And if you want to picture them for a minute, um, hold your thumbs up and take a look at the ends of your thumbs. They're about that size, and then picture them um, just about an inch out from your belly button and an inch up, kind of deep inside there, right on top of your kidneys. And these are your adrenal glands, or the physiological organ in your body that's responsible for handling stress. And that stress might be mental, emotional stress. It might be chemical stress. It might be physical stress. And it doesn't really matter what kind of stress it is. It matters the overall total load. The adrenals can handle so much and only so much. And the problem is when they become um, fatigued from all, all these sources of stress in our modern world, and there's a, there's a gazillion, and I, we could talk about that in a minute, but you know, then the adrenal glands can't do their other jobs. One of their other jobs is to help create um, some of our fertility hormones. Like they produce part of the body's load of est- or progesterone, which then is a precursor for estrogen. And you know, so they play this role. They create um, a lot of things for our immune system. So, so the point is we have this kind of chronic state of stress, which means the adrenals in most of us are not tip top shape, which means for a lot of women, all of those signs and symptoms, we can call it PMS if you're in your fertility years, you know, and we call it the menopause stuff if we're getting late in those fertility years. And my message is, what if we just looked at healing the body and brain? and allowing, allowing it, itself to rebalance so that hormones are produced in the right amount, in the right timing. See, we tend to forget that a woman's body is really a cyclical dance, it's a cycle. It's not like, oh, you're low in progesterone, and so like a gas tank, you just kind of fill it up to the line. You know, progesterone is meant to be the, the star of the show for, for a couple of weeks, 10 days, two weeks of your cycle, and it's meant to play a background role for the rest of your cycle. You know, estrogen has its has its solo time during parts of the cycle. And so we tend to look at this through our mainstream medical lens, which is quite linear and quite masculine in nature. And so we don't even get the right words or understanding on this intellectually. But here's what I want women to understand. Yes, it helps to have experts. Yes, it helps to have names for all of these things. But here's what's been missing. How about a quiet, still space, just you and your body, bringing in some good oxygen-rich breaths and notice what you're feeling in your body. Where does it feel heavy? Where does it feel tight? Where does it feel light? Um, This is one layer of beginning to pay attention because then what begins to happen And I learned this the hard way, Rashida, I burned out. I had, my hair was falling out. I had no period in sight. I was in my thirties. I had terrible weight gain. I was moody. It was all the things that people complain about in menopause. I was having early. Why? Well, because I was having the same problem then that women are having now. And that was a lack of adequate hormone production because of stress. So, and an inability to keep up with the cyclical nature that the body requires when it's supposed to be fertile. So the idea is then we can begin to tune in and understand where I am. And so when we allow ourselves to have some space and to structure our, our, our lives in a way that can honor our own needs, we tend to begin to then get to the root of some of this stress because it is a huge source of stress to think I have to show up the same all day, every day. And I'm physically not made to do that.
0: So I want to hone in on this adrenal fatigue for you, your, your own experience. So you had mentioned that you just mentioned your hair, you had hair loss and you had moodiness and hair loss is like a big, I, I deal with it myself and everybody I talk to. Yeah. I have, you know, that, that happens to me. So how did you even know that you had adrenal fatigue? Because I think just the the medical system and the different doctors and the different practices, it's not always obvious. You go to a dermatologist, you go to your, your GP, you go to your OB, you go to, you know, for, for all the various symptoms, right? The moodiness that maybe you have depression, maybe whatever those things are. So I'm curious, can you walk us through your own story? And then I'll ask you some questions as you go through your own of how you got to your own adrenal fatigue and how you discovered it and then how you got out of it.
1: Well I love this question because and and I think you're pointing to something that's so important because what happens in our mainstream medical model is that yeah bodies are dissected up into parts and we're not viewed holistically in any way or the way these systems impact each other right and and I think that is what a lot of people experience. Certainly that was my experience in the beginning too, right so so I, this also manifests for me. so adrenal fatigue then will impact your thyroid. so that's the other thing a lot of women struggle with hormone issues and low thyroid. Well, if your thyroid drops enough, um, there are certain things that can only happen at certain temperatures in your body. Digestion is one of them. So when my thyroid was so low, I ended up with a bunch of food allergies and couldn't digest food. And so then really, I was willing to muscle through all of that for the sake of just keeping going as a single mom, help my daughter, homeschool my, my daughter. Like I was going to ignore all the red flags, all the screaming my body was doing to, to ask me to stop. And slow down and take a look at it. And I didn't actually do that until it emerged as a bright red, painful, itchy rash all over my entire body. And I was so fatigued. I literally crashed in bed. So that's when I thought, okay, I guess I really better get some help. Yeah. And how long do you think that you're, how long before then was it years? Was it months? Like oh, you-, you know, I think it was slowly growing for a year. And I think the last two months was pretty bad. Um, it went downhill pretty fast from there. And so, and I remember I I felt my adrenals pop one night and that must've been in October. And by December I was flat on my back. So, so I had gone for allergy testing and I had gone for um, some hormone testing and there were some things that showed up. Yes, you should avoid nuts and eggs. And there were some things that showed up, you know, your, your progesterone is on the low side, but still in the normal range. And so in other words, there's really nothing wrong with you. You know, and I know how many women, right, I can hear all the heads nodding right now because how many times have we been gaslit out of there's nothing wrong with you and you know darn good and well, something is not right with me. I, I, I met and because we are, we know we're meant to feel good. We know this can't be all there is to it. We know this. And so what I want to say too is trust those instincts. And what I ended up having to do, I ended up having to work and to piece it together myself. Um, and luckily I was already that kind of do it yourself you know, with my daughter's care. And so luckily I was already in touch with some folks like functional medicine practitioners, people who can view this from a more holistic model and people who have the tools to begin to really ask your own body.
0: And so who are the, so when you say functional medicine practitioners, what do you mean?
1: So it's called functional medicine. So it's not a traditional allopathic medicine doctor. It's a functional medicine doctor. Um, I don't know if anybody knows Dr. Mark Hyman. If you follow his work um, out in the world, he's the father of functional medicine. And what's he doing out there that's so unique? I mean, um, I could tell you all about what he's doing in terms of his meeting with the White House and working in Congress to try to get our food policies changed. But, you know, he talks about food and movement and lowering stress and how to really get to the root cause of healing a body. But you can look up, you can Google functional medicine practitioners. Some of them are also going to be certified in chiropractic care. And a lot of us think that has a lot to do with spinal alignment, which is a part of it, perhaps. But there's whole systems here that understand that we have to nourish the body and really restore its natural balance. So they use techniques like organ and gland scanning or muscle testing and combined with very allopathic Western things like CBC counts, looking at hormones and vitamin D levels and, you know, all of the things in your blood, like we need both. We need to look at, we need to look at diagnostic things and numbers that are, that really we look at outside the body, so to speak. And then we need to ask the body. We need to look at where is it struggling? Because the truth is you can't heal anything unless you get to the root cause. And what we really have to find is which domino fell first. So again, food allergies, are we going to treat those for me? Well, why don't we just get my thyroid working again? And that's exactly what we did. I, you know, I ended up working with a couple of folks who had become friends uh, who were functional medicine MDs, and then they could direct me, you know, so it was kind of like a, it was like this wonderful (laughs) journey, this game of, of like hide and seek, find and seek. It was kind of like the next person. There was not one practitioner who could take me all the way there. It was like everyone had an expertise that was the next layer of healing I needed to resolve. So we worked on my adrenals. Uh, They require salt and B vitamins and lots of rest. You know, they require easy walks, not my high intensity workouts that I was so committed to because I thought I needed to get back in those genes, And I was just doing it with the wrong timing and intensity and hurting myself more, you know? So we addressed the adrenals, which then helped support the thyroid, but the thyroid was going to need a little individual tension of its own. And so I, you know, I had to look at my food allergies changed quite interesting. You know, I, I was allergic to eggs during that time and I'm not allergic to eggs now. Well, that was my body reacting in the moment. It's like a picture, you know, when you were six, you had pigtails, but it's not who you are forever. Like things can change. And so it was this beautiful journey. I was just as surprised as anyone to, to to recognize just how powerful the body is when we give it what it needs and remove the obstacles. And so obstacles like certain kinds of stress. Um, and part of that is belief systems. You know, I was not letting myself sleep for a whole night of sleep. I was trying to stay up late to do things that I I either needed to ask for support on or let go for a while. I was trying to wake up early to, you know, to make life you know, perfect for my daughter. And, and um, so anyway, that, that's my journey. And and what happened is there was not this moment, you know, this is the other thing I want people to understand is that you didn't get into this situation all at once and you're not going to get out of it all at once. This no, that's was, worth like, that
0: is totally worth repeating. That is so true. Right. It takes forever to right? get in
1: there. Yeah. I mean, I, it went downhill. You want, you want to be able to like, yeah, you want
0: to be able to wave a wand and say, okay, now I've recognized it, now there's a problem, how do I fix it? I need a solution ASAP, but you're saying have patience because it, it will take time.
1: It will take time if you really want to address the root cause. I think there is a whole model out there that that thinks that we can, uh, that a solution exists in a bottle and then maybe if we take a pill, we will feel differently tomorrow. Um, but there's a big difference between masking the symptoms so we don't have to feel it and addressing the root cause of what's happening, which. You know, I decided finally that I did want to feel it because I decided that those messages from my body were messages worth heeding and that they were eventually going to lead me in the right direction. So step by step, day by day, literally day by day, I recovered my energy, my body healed, my ability to digest foods changed. I slowly reintroduced some things. um, And I began to, you know, the walking then eventually turned into biking, which eventually turned into Helping my daughter train for triathlon again. So, what happened that I was so surprised is that better and better and better led me to the best shape of my life that I never even knew was possible. So, what was that length of? So, what was that time for you? So, from the
0: time that you started to heal to to where you felt at your best self, that you do that you had kind of done the healing process. Is it?
1: Well, I will say my worst adrenal burnout. Um, you know, the rash in bed was I was somewhere in my mid 30s. And this I'm almost two decades later, and I'm still waiting to be in the best shape of my life, because every year is better. So for example, we talk about this stuff around menopause, I have missed a few periods. Now, I used to be very, I mean, in that healing process, I found myself becoming very regular, and then regular in a way without pain, like, I found myself having the best cycles of my life just right before I realized, wow, I haven't had a cycle. Oh, wow. So isn't
0: that interesting?
1: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So hot flashes, I've had a few, some night sweats, I've had a few and they weren't miserable. And I realized I haven't had a period in a few months and what's going to happen next. I'm not sure, but I'm excited about it. And I feel great in my body. And so who knew, I mean, am I at the change? Am I, am I going through a transition? It apparently, and is it miserable for me? It's not. Now, why is that? Well, I've been eating only nutrient dense food that I know actually really works for me for going on 20 years now. And I assume that if you keep giving the body what it needs, And not putting obstacles in its way, it will continue to thrive.
0: So that's so great. I mean, 20 years, that's a great benefit that you've had in terms of you have this process to almost get you to a place where it's second nature to some degree, where you're not having to figure it out while going through a big change. So it sounds like you were able to, you had something that happened. You were able to heal that that specific issue and then have some normal, you know, quote, normalcy, I'll put that in quotes, because, you know, what is normal? And, uh, and then you start noticing some changes that seem to have happened a little bit more, maybe slowly or more, not as dramatic, as you said. So it doesn't have to be this, um, where I, I think, I think we're going through a, a, a period in life now where there's a there's a big focus on actually menopause and impairment, where it hasn't been. So even in the media, and like, Oprah's doing stuff and and there's, there's all this, there's a lot of highlight on the cause because it it historically has just never really been talked about. People have, you know, suffered and and because they haven't had the, like the, a little bit less dramatic symptoms. And so um, what do you, so it sounds like nutrition was a, was a key factor for you and your movement, which started out slow, which is actually nice to hear because I think that you, you know, as especially I think once you have post children, it's always like, oh, I need to, Like you said, like you want to get back into those jeans or I really need to work out really hard or why am I not doing enough? And a walk just seems so ridiculous of like it's never going to do anything. But a walk is a, I think It's mindful. You just walk outside without a phone in your hand. You actually like see nature and breathe in fresh air, which is in and of itself, I think part of the part of the healing process
1: So it is it's revolutionary it's transformative people think oh an easy walk so this is actually part of my program that i teach the vibrant woman program has uh three main components and it, so that it's the nutrition the movement intensity and the, the sleep and stress piece which add up to the hormone balance and the intuition which are important parts of this as well particularly for women particularly for women but um when you say an easy walk, a lot of people think, what's an easy walk going to do? And I say, it's going to heal your entire body and brain. And here's why. When you take an easy walk, number one, that's cross cortical movement, which is organizing your brain. A lot of people can't. And what connect. does that mean? Think, what, is, what is that yeah, cross? So it means it's using, we have two hemispheres to our cortex, a left and a right. And when we walk, we are coordinating between the both of them. And when we do that, we are actually um, stimulating cortical growth, and your cortex, guess what, is also responsible for your reading, your memory, your language. So there's a reason you're more articulate after the walk. There's a reason that people who walk every day are more creative. They write their books more easily. There's a reason that brain-injured children or children with learning disabilities, like my daughter used to be. When they take that walk every day at the proper heart rate and they're getting well-oxygenated blood flow to all of their neurons and they're using their brain in this way, there's a reason they can learn to read then. You know, a lot of, and this is gonna take us down the wrong rabbit hole. We'll have to do a part three, but, you know, teachers want kids to sit longer and try harder. And I say, let's go for a walk and fix the root cause. We need to heal the cortex. But here's the other thing. Walking outside without your phone Especially if you have a space where you can be surrounded by nature and you don't have to be deep in some remote forest, but you do need to have some trees and bushes and you know, flowers around you aspects of nature. This is going to engage parts of your brain that create alpha waves. Alpha waves are restorative. They're responsible for healing. Um, they activate the parasympathetic nervous system in the body, which is going to take down your cortisol. An easy walk takes cortisol away from your heart and your brain. So it lowers the stress. It allows everything in your body to heal because there's good oxygenated blood flow to all the parts of your body. Those alpha waves are gonna get you into states of relaxation that are gonna multiply that feeling. And the best exercise to do is the kind when you feel like when you are done, that was easy. You could do that again. And if that's the way you feel, you have actually you've actually done quite a lot of good. If you're exhausted at the end of your workout or you're hangry or you're starving or you're irritable, that is a sign from your body that you've actually just done harm. And so I really want women to tune into these messages from our body. We've been taught to override this stuff with a cultural messaging instead. And that includes what to eat. You know, um, the best foods to eat don't actually have commercials, right? And a lot of people think, oh, um nutrition is a part of this. So Darcy, you did this special diet maybe to heal your body. And can we use food to heal ourselves? Well, here's here's my take on that, which is a little bit different. Yes, did I use food to heal my body? Well, yes. Food was part of healing my body. But here's I'm going to say it a little bit more accurately. I stopped using food to hurt my body. And we think that oh maybe we have to go on a special diet or we just polish up our nutrition a little bit. When actually we need to be quite a bit more direct and honest about the harm we cause with these ultra-processed junk foods that are full of sugar and refined processed flour products that turn to sugar immediately in the bloodstream. And I know it looks normal, and I know this is not what people want to hear. We've got the holidays coming up, and sugar, sugar baking parties are a part of the culture, but we've got some toxic elements to this culture that we really need to start questioning. I mean, here that's the thing. Does menopause need to be a painful, disruptive, negative time in our lives that feels like disease? Well, that's normal in a culture that also normalizes some of these other habits, including the toxic foods. We've kind of got all of that, that all looks normal. And when we, we can pan out just a little bit and say, well, wait a minute, um, We've only had those kinds of food. I put that in quotes. <laughs> I think we need to redefine food and uh, we've only, that's only been around for a little while and we kind of have cool. to look at the outcomes, you know, menopause and, and painful menopause and, and um, all these hormone imbalances, the, the, the stuff that's leading up to menopause being the Perry, the Perry years, all of that is normal in this context, but, but it, yeah, well, we just need to make some changes.
0: So you know, I I wanted to ask in your program itself. So you, you've been running this vibrant women's program. Have you encountered women that are in menopause or in the? I would say in per. I guess definitionally, perimenopause is leading up to menopause, which is technically a year without your period, right? Like just definitionally. So if you're in this peri stage which is really just a natural progression, like you said, right? It's like, you're, it's just kind of the next stage of life. It's not a, it's not a door that you open, which is, I like the way you phrase that. Did you encounter women that were in that phase that maybe were having really painful symptoms and dramatic kind of, um, I don't want to call it dramatic, but just, just, you know, very symptomatic, extreme kind of painful things. Did you find that once they started addressing nutrition, putting, you know, whole foods, real foods, instead of the the processed foods, and doing the walks and stuff. Did did you? Was there a change, like
1: visibly, for them? And and what was that like? Yeah, uh, this I love this question. And this is something that is so exciting to me. Um, Yes, every single one of them. I mean, and I, you know, I say that with a little hesitation because I'm supposed to give you this medical disclaimer that I'm not a doctor and I don't, you know, (laughs) I can't promise certain outcomes, but I have not yet had a woman come through the program who actually does the program. I mean, and some women come through the program just to learn and watch a little bit at first. Not all of us feel ready to make some of these, um, some of these are big changes from the way a lot of us have been living. And some of us do it in baby steps, and some of us, you know, like to learn first and then apply, and some people dive right in. But I have not yet met a woman who actually does the program who has not had really significant changes in terms of her hormone balance and her experience of pleasure versus pain in that, in her cyclical process. And there's one story, well, there's a couple that come to mind, but the one I kind of want to share briefly with you is a woman who... She thought she was doing this program to support me. It's a funny story. She said, well, you know, I've kind of been following Darcy for a while and I can see she's trying to grow this and I'll just join this sugar-free challenge thing she's doing. And she got a taste of it and had dramatic improvements in just a couple of weeks during the sugar-free challenge. Came all the way into my program and did it for pretty consistently eating within what and so again, my program is not a list of rules. It's a, it's a system to help you decide for yourself what's actually working for your body and what's not. And so it takes a little trial and error. It takes some time, you know, within a supportive container to sort of figure things out. And so she's been doing this. I just talked with her last week. She's been doing this for the better part of two years now. She said that she was shocked to realize. So she started having a period again on the regular. She thought she was past all of this. She started having a period again on the regular, on the full moon. Uh, without cramps, without pain, without hot flashes. So her body just kind of came back into this uh, fertility phase on its own. She lost things that she didn't even realize were related. She lost chronic pain in her hands, which allowed her to start painting and drawing again. She lost her, um, well, her cravings, you know, that were driving her into the, the chocolate cake and the wine every night, that were keeping her from waking up with good energy in the morning. So she was needing her coffee. And again, I'm not here to talk against wine or coffee or any of these things. This is about listening to what really works for you. And she decided she enjoyed the bliss of waking up full of energy every morning, a few minutes before her alarm went off. She enjoyed that more than some of those habits that she just gradually and easily left behind.
0: And can you, what was the, and not that it matters, but it is helpful. I think Brian, just to get a marker. How, what? How old was she?
1: Yeah, she's about a year older than me, so I think she's 52 or 53.
0: Okay, so she actually thought she was probably oh, definitely. in the menopause years
1: and done and wow, that's really and I'm not something. And saying this to say like, "Oh, that's the answer because we should be fertile forever." I mean, we're not meant to be fertile forever. It's meant to no, be. No, but it just it, uh, it shows
0: yeah. you that you can be in such an imbalanced state of being where you think that that is your now natural state without even recognizing that there's so many other things that if you just eliminated or changed that you're, it's like, you don't, you don't even know where balanced is because you haven't been balanced. And so that's that. Thank you for sharing the story because, you know, I think just for women who have been in a state of being, it really is very easy to lose where where your own normal is. Because sometimes it's a very gradual process, not this extreme. You know, like you had maybe uh, experienced an sense of an ad, ad, uh, adrenal fatigue. It's this gradual change. It's a little tired. I'm tired every day. I'm a little bit more tired every day. Oh, this is how you know. And and then you wake up thinking. You you talk about belief systems. Oh, I'm just a tired person, right? You look like oh, I'm just tired. I'm just you know. I'm I'm. I I need my whatever my cookie at in the afternoon or my coffee in the afternoon to keep me awake. So it's like, I think that it's interesting. So can you talk a little bit about just what your program is, just to give people a sense of what you're referring to in terms of what people like the food, the the, the, the nutrition factor of what some of these changes look like in terms of big change because you mentioned that sometimes they are big changes just just based on yeah. where each person might be in their life.
1: For sure, because. Um, Yes so basically what I invite people to and I love what you just said about you know the labels and the belief systems and and this is one of the reasons I get I get moved and very emotional sometimes like especially you just said it so powerfully this idea that we d- we diminish ourselves like we kind of take on these cultural diminishments like this is just who I am and this is how it's just going to be for me and this is all I've got to experience left and what I want women to understand. And I'm not the only one out there saying this. Uh, I'm kind of surprised I'm one of the people saying this. I, I just had no idea this work was going to come through me that this kind of thriving was even going to be possible. But the idea is this phase of our lives is meant to be powerful and energetic and full of the time and space for self-care. And I, I know some of us, you know, depending on how many responsibilities we have little kids and and we have things going on, but it's not meant to, you're not meant to be depleted. And if your if your health situation, your hormone balance, your energy levels leave you feeling depleted, um, yes, I think there are culturally some things out there we have to rearrange, but ultimately we handle all of that much better when we are in alignment in here in the body with what works for it. So it's a both, and that's what my program addresses. So The Vibrant Woman program has five basic pillars. And the first one is nutrition. And we start with just redefining food. And and I, you know, I have some funny metaphors I use for this because we are eating a lot of things that I would not define as food. And so we can look at it like just because my dog ate the sock, you know, the sock is ingestible, but is it food, (laughs) you know, did it do anything to her body? Can she use that to make heal and repair herself? And a lot of us are picking up stuff off of shelves that actually act as harm inside our bodies. So we have to redefine what food is. And typically, it should be natural. Um, it shouldn't be processed. And, you know, we need to take a look at macros. We're all eating way too many carbs and probably not enough fat. And what's the right amount of fat for you? I mean, I don't have a number for you, but I help women. There are ways to decide this. You can tell by your mental clarity, um, you know, so, so we get nutrition under balance. And again, that's a journey. It takes a little trial and error and it can change over time. Remember I was allergic to eggs. Do I need to remove them for for the rest of my life? Uh, Maybe, but maybe not. So it's really normal Rashida for our nutritional needs to change over time. And that's
0: really good. I'd like to like, I think that's really good worth in repeating because sometimes when we want to make a change, it kind of can seem overwhelming. And because maybe there's so many things that you, that, you know, you need to change or you should change or whatever. And the fact that just knowing that it can evolve and even your own needs that you need today might not be the needs in a year from now or in six months from now. And I think that that's, a, that's almost like comforting because, um, you know, if you were allergic to eggs, you might really like eggs, but knowing that, Hey, if I do a couple of things and, and it might not be, that's not, it's not necessarily this, but it, it is just helpful. I think to just know that it can change your body will change. And some of the things that, you know, you put in place today might not be a permanent thing. Maybe if you like, maybe if you really, really love something, you don't have to eliminate, maybe there's a way to kind of work around it. Right. So I think that that's a really, um, a good thing to reiterate.
1: Absolutely. Because a lot of us look at, and and again, this part of this comes from toxic diet culture. And some of this just comes from sort of the dogmatic approaches that we've seen peddled around everywhere, which is this idea that some, that change that we either have to choose between pleasure or health. You know, and that's a false dichotomy. Like, that's a false binary right there. I find true health is pleasurable. And um, when I say to people in my program, I eat anything that I want and feel great. And, you know, that almost sounds like, you know, that sounds like, um, you know, some kind of terrible marketing scheme, right? Eat whatever you want and lose weight. Well, here's the thing. I What I want has changed. I only want what leaves my body feeling good these days because... I want, I I want to stop you there because uh, just for my own. So you and I
0: talked um, on another episode and I've been following you for a little while. And after I talked with you, you know, I'm going to like put more whole foods into my body. And I, and it is so true. Your wants have changed because I've actually noticed a change in my energy levels. I'm like, Oh, why would I put and and I and it has actually helped stop me to you know reach for whatever some you know I have sugar cravings or whatever whatever the craving is. One of my biggest p- problems is when I'm working, I have a really tough time breaking away and making a healthy, you know, actually putting the food together. And I put a salad together, some spinach, some fruits, some whatever whole foods, and just for within a day or two, honestly, it was that it was that profound. And it seems so gimmicky almost, right? It's like, oh, just put some some regular foods in. But it really has helped to even um, just change. Like you said, it changes what you want because your wants aren't, your wants are driven by like what you feel in your body. And so I just wanted to say that because it, it really is, it can be that significant to your own health and and clarity. Like I feel clearer, you know, and I haven't, I haven't eliminated a whole bunch of stuff. I just added in some regular stuff. And it, it, it does, it satisfies you in a way to not reach for the, the, pro, like the processed foods or, or whatever. So, sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted oh, to no, say that I think that's
1: a beautiful example. You know, thank you for bringing that up because what that really it's, it shines a light on what I think is the root cause of so many of the problems that we have in our bodies from, from menopause to adrenal fatigue, to learning disabilities for children. And that is an absolute lack of real nutrients. And so don't underestimate the power of bringing real nutrient-dense food into your body. What else is it going to use to make, heal, and repair itself with? That cellul- cellular activity is happening around the clock. Doritos can provide nothing for you in terms of real energy or nourishment for your body. And how often do we mindlessly you know, pull into a drive through or take something simple and easy and, and that looks so normal in the culture out of a box or a bag, and we're not even thinking about what's the purpose of that? and i think we for and i mean this was
0: this dawned i mean it, this is going to sound so silly but this was a couple of years ago but i was watching some video and or some movie about your body and how the food affects your body and all this kind of stuff and it's just this click of oh we eat food for 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 nutrients to actually help our body and I, that sounds so absurd because it's kind of like a duh thing but it's not because like you said you know we'll grab a piece of cake because we want to feel good or it's like we want to hang out with our friends and we should all go eat out. And it's like, I, I really forgot honestly, the purpose of food. Um, and, and it really is a fuel for your, for your body to actually work. And, and it was an epiphany, you know, in my adult years, I'm like, Oh, so, you know, like eating some spinach, actually, there's like something in there that will actually help me do XYZ. And I just to bring it up because it sometimes we really are that far from understanding what the purpose of food is. It's not necessarily to like, because you use food to feed your souls versus yeah. like your body. You know what I mean?
1: I know exactly what you mean. And, and I think that's a really good point though, because. I don't think it has to be one or the other. And again, I'm not, I know that's not what you're saying, Yeah, yeah. but I think some people need a little support in being brought to this place where you can recognize, like you don't have to just eat spinach, you know, like when you combine that beautiful spinach with um, a, a wonderful vinaigrette and you put, you know, some salt on top, your adrenals need that salt and you put some other colorful things in there and the colors look vibrant to you. Like, It's our, our meals are supposed to be sensory um, delicious too, not just taste and fill our bellies, but they're, they're meant to delight us in every way. And we've just gotten so far removed, I think from our food systems. And if, if you look, the marketing experts know this, they know how our brains work. That's why the boxes have such pretty colors in them. But the point is we're meant to buy things that have color without the box you know, the red of the tomatoes have, have a different nutrient profile than the orange of the carrots, than the green of the avocado. Like, so if there's one tip I want to leave everybody with, and the first thing you learn in my program is eat as many different colors as you can. That's where all the nutrients are found. I I took,
0: I took that, I took that little hint of yours and I, and I did it myself and it, this is super anecdotal, but even my own kid who has like, you know, would come home, like throwing food away and all this stuff. And like finally I'm like, okay, let me just get some colorful tomatoes. I think it was like something that you'd said, color I put some colorful tomatoes, some carrot. And I, even I look, I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. It's like a little rainbow. And she came and everything was eaten. I'm like, okay. And it could have been, it could have been, you know, happenstance, but I it, it is when you look at something that looks pretty and colorful, it, it there is some like you said, there is some sensory, joyous
1: thing that comes out of it. You're like eating a rainbow. <laughs> So even for the kids, like I'm eating a rainbow. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid to make these changes to their kids because they think, you know, your kids are so socialized to just want chicken nuggets. And the truth is it doesn't take that long because children want to be nourished and their instincts are so close to the surface still. It's not that hard to change the way our kids eat. Um, A lot of people are nervous about that. And uh, yeah, it's not that hard to do.
0: Well, so talk to talk to me about you know so let's say you're in a let's say you you made the changes and you're really feeling good and you're you know you're doing the walks and you're doing the the especially the new, I think the nutrition part is is a is a big aspect. What do you tell people that they're traveling to different countries or in different whatever the circumstances or they're they're visiting home or somewhere that it's actually real like practically impossible to stick with the. What whatever you have chosen for your life to say, this, these are what I what I eat. Let's say it's a break. Like you take a week break. Cause you're like, okay, I'm going here. And it's not that you don't want to, it's just that you can't. What are some of the expectations that people should have during periods like that?
1: Well, first of all, it's never impossible to eat well, no matter what country or culture we go to, there are natural foods and, um, You just want to pick the least processed thing that you can that does not contain any foods that bother you. You know, I'm a celiac. I'm not going to eat the bread no matter where I go. I'm going to get my meat plain on the side and I'm going to get a beautiful salad with an oil and vinegar. Um, And just about anywhere you go. So here's the thing. Here's the tool that people really need. And this is what I teach in my program, too. We just have to become label readers because, yeah, sometimes we are in an airport you know, or a bus station or a mall. And or at a long day at, at a kid's, you know, sporting event. And, you know, we know there's very little real food peddled in some of these mainstream places in our culture. So number one, learn what works for you and take your own. Um, you know, apples tr- travel easily in a purse. So does, you know, a, a piece of, uh, you know, a beef stick or a, a bag of baby carrots or, you know, some cheese slices like natural foods are packable and they travel you know we can do that once we sort of get used to doing that you can do that um but number 2 we have to be label readers because i'm i hear you in the modern world we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we've got to pick something up off a shelf and make the best choice that we can and so we can learn how to read labels there are pl- plenty of you know good things out there. We're not going to find them in the cracker aisle, you know, but if you shop the perimeter of any store, you're going to find plain hard boiled eggs, or like I said, a, a bag of vegetables or an apple. Um, so it's not like it's impossible to do. It just may not be what we're used to doing. And that's the other reason why in my program, I, I typically I do some one-on-one coaching, but you know, my signature work is, is the vibrant woman course, which is a group program you know, we have a cohort going through this together. So we're not alone with this. And we're going to learn from each other, because we're all making changes, right. And we're making changes in the face of cultural pressures that kind of would like us to stay conforming. You know, those companies would like to have our, our dollars for their profits, our families would like to just be able to serve up the meal, you know, I can't tell you how many times, I don't get invited to dinner much anymore because people get tired of asking like, can you eat this? Can you not eat that? And I always just say, can I bring a dish to share? You know, can I bring something potluck? So what do you, what do you, so what do you tell people? So that, so, I
0: mean, I'm glad that you shared that in terms of just the dinners because that's, that's a big deal, right? So every, every family is unique. Every family, uh, whether it's culturally, whether it's, you know, just their own circumstance, um, location, all that kind of stuff. So um, what, Let's say that it, when, when I say impossible, I mean more from a practical standpoint of let's say you are at a family's house and you didn't, let's say you didn't pack it or you just don't have the ability to, because there's, there's family pressure. Let's just say that's one aspect. I think a lot of people have that, that challenge of not being able to to say anything. You don't want to, it's not about impoliteness. It's just about whatever the norms are of your particular family. What, what is, what I, what I want to understand is for the person that is in that particular situation is not eating the way that you maybe would have or chosen to yourself, um, is it so, uh, dire, like, will it impact your body in such a worse way? Because I think that if you, if, if there's not flexibility, to be able to address like, you know, regular life things, or maybe you got sick and you're in a hospital or, you know, wh- whatever it is, then um, I guess what I'm trying to uh, provide for the for the audience is, you know, is it so terrible that you can't get back on, whether even if it's like a week break, does that really, how does that impact your body? you know, that's why I kind of wanted to, I don't know if my question is clear, but
1: I hear it. And I get this question all the time. In fact, we just did this, you know, two week carb challenge right before Thanksgiving, where I taught people to remove sugar and the foods that turn to sugar and, and um to learn how their bodies get the static out of the way and sort of tune in and see how much body their how much better their body feels without the insulin response and the stress of high and low blood sugar. And then everybody said, what about Thanksgiving? And I said, yeah, what about Thanksgiving? What do you want to do? And some people said, well, I want to, you know, eat what's traditional and I don't want to upset my aunt who's going to expect me to have the pumpkin pie because it hurts her feelings if not everybody eats her pumpkin pie. And, you know, or, or, you know, I need the connection to this tradition, you know, to fill my soul or whatever. And I'll tell you, I learned so much. I mean, I can tell you exactly what I do. I'm a celiac. So you're saying, well, it hurts your body to eat something. Maybe I'm celiac. If I eat wheat, I'm going to have a very dramatic uh, response. I'm going to be at a bathroom for two days and it's going to be painful, um, so it depends. So I never cheat myself that way. Um, and so this is the question that we all have to answer for ourselves, which we learn through trial and error. So for example, if some of the folks in the carb challenge were like, you know, I'm feeling so much better without all this stuff. I'm going to keep eating this way. Whether that means I have to call, you know, my sister and say, hey, can I bring this dish to add to the Thanksgiving buffet so that I know I have something and I'll bring enough to share? Um, or whether it's, I'm going to go ahead and just dive back in to everything that's there and notice how my body feels the next day, and you're going to learn something from that. Um, because I'm not here to say, you know, what works for me is what's going to work for you. But the point is, we just start to pay attention, and we begin to really learn that cause and effect. And everybody gets to decide, well, you know, every time I do that, this is how I feel the next day, I'm going to not do that again. Um And, you know, there's a range, right, depending on the culture and the family tradition and what's there on the table and and what what the meaning of that particular holiday is to you. But here's the other thing I want people to understand is a lot of the meals that that we that are so normal in in different cultures. Right. And depending on our cultural background and our, our, our ethnic traditions. It's different for all of us, but there's always substitutes. And so we can take some of those old recipes, those, those traditions that we kind of recognize, wow, I don't like the way my body feels with all this stuff made with sugar. For example, let's just say it's the pumpkin pie at the American Thanksgiving. We just came off of that holiday, but I can maybe learn to make that in a way that satisfies my soul but also meets my nutritional needs that I'm learning more and more about. And I don't want to sacrifice my health for that. So it never has to be either or. And people just, they learn by doing. And so once we sort of get the nutrition stuff under wraps, and that doesn't have to be restrictive. Here's the other thing I want people to understand. They think that to be healthy, you have to stop with all of this stuff. And yet there are some things I propose you stop with. I mean, sugar doesn't have any nutrition in it, you know, it's a neurotoxin. So I propose we stop with that, but it's less about what we're taking away, Rashida, and more about what we're adding in. Like you just said, if we focus on spending 15 minutes in the produce department, every time we go shopping and finding two new foods that we've never seen before and bring them home and Google them and look at what nutrients might be in them and what they're good combined with, and you invite the kids to wash them and chop them and You know, there's ways to make it fun to think this is more about the expansion into new things we can learn and introduce more than it's about restriction or leaving things behind or taking out what's bad. And I find that focusing there really helps people um, not only to feel better about doing it themselves, but to feel better about communicating that to the people around them, right? Because the truth is your family doesn't want you to eat things that make you unwell either. And sometimes we are the catalyst for change in those larger family systems. I can't tell you how many women in my program, we count the wins and a win is always something like, yeah, my cholesterol's better, right? And my hormones are better. And the hot flashes have stopped and I'm sleeping through the night and my brain fog is gone. I finished that book. So those are wins. But here's another win I hear all the time when I first started doing this, I was the only one at my table kind of eating this way. And I, I felt left out and I felt isolated. But now six months later, my husband is doing the shopping and he only buys, you know, the things that, that we've learned together work for us. And so I'm not the only one sitting here with a different dinner. My kids are actually excited now to try something new. And, and my husband, you know, I just love it. There's one woman in my program who sent me a text message and she said, my husband has taken over the shopping and he writes at the top of the list, what Darcy lets us eat. (laughs) I I don't know that I agree with the way he phrased it, but I, you know, that was a win. She didn't have to struggle with him anymore. He's on board. And why is he on board? Because he's seen the change in her.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think that that can't be uh, said enough because it's, you know, it's, at least for me, it's like when you, when you find something new, it's like, you want to share it with everybody. But if you actually just do it yourself and you're, and you're the only one at the table eating for yourself, it's like putting on a mask first, right? Before you put it onto the, onto your kid. It's like, you've got to just get it in your own habit So it becomes routine and nature. And then, like you said, it's like, it, it becomes noticeable. You're more energetic. You are, you know, lighter, and this and that. And then and then the recognition that oh it's related to the food and then when it becomes natural for you and easier for you because I think if you are making quite a bit of change that that's a difficult thing to like sustain at first until it becomes your norm and then you can and then it can kind of spread so I, I love that you know, when you, it's like the only person to maybe everybody or half or whatever, whatever that is, that that's a, that's a great win because uh, then there's community like, right. And so you're not just doing it yourself. You're doing it with other people, which I'm sure feels better.
1: Of course it does. And, you know, I have to say, that's one of the reasons that I decided to kind of start this program at the place that I do, because I think the way to change families and communities is to start with healing women and we need support to do it you know, we're being pulled in every direction. And I don't want learning to make some healthier habits or, you know, help these changes for our health. I don't, that can oftentimes present as one more thing to do on our already overwhelming to-do list. That by itself can feel like stress when what we really need to do is be unpacking and unloading some of that stress, because that's how we heal the body, particularly a woman's body. And so, you know, that's the other reason my program is done in a group setting, because we need that support. And uh, nobody was really meant to do it on our own. And I, I think this is important, you know, especially mothers know this, we know, we're kind of in a village society these days, and we're trying to recover some sense of, you know, natural community. And I think that is, you know, that also applies to these changes we're making with our health. And that, in, it, you know, it includes finding time to rest. And, um,
0: what does rest look like? I'm glad you brought that up. So everybody has their own version of what, you know, everybody says sleep more, sleep is really important. Rest more. So what getting from like the, that uh, generic thing, what is it, what does it look like for you? Let's just, let's just talk about you. What what does rest look like for you? How much do you sleep? And, and what is it your experience with the women that you've worked with?
1: Well, I'll tell you what rest is not to me. And it's not, uh, mindlessly numbing out to the stimulation of the news cycle on a, on a, on a television, um, right? So that's not rest. A lot of us will collapse on a TV with, with you know, chronic stimulation, and that's not rest. So for me, rest is an easy walk or a long bike ride through the woods. That can be rest. That can also be my movement. Rest can be some easy gardening. It can be time playing with the dog. It can be time just kind of puttering around my house without any music or news or, you know, none of the outside world coming in so that I can create alpha waves where my brain and body are naturally resetting to the rhythms that would be there if I weren't blocking them. And that's what allows me to get to sleep. You know, we're meant to sleep during the dark, which this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere is a whole lot more than it was in June. So... You know, do you need six, seven, eight hours? I don't know. It might depend on the seasons. It might depend on again your stress load. I go to bed uh, when it's dark, and I wake up a few minutes before dawn. I, you know, I'm I'm self-employed right now. I have the the luxury of not necessarily needing to set an alarm, and that doesn't mean I sleep all day. So these diurnal rhythms are what we're trying to work to uncover, and I think to do that we have to turn down the noise out there. And so, you know, computer time late in the evening is a bad idea. That blue light is going to block your melatonin production. You're not going to be able to get into a deep sleep. Again, there are some generals that I think we all need to understand, but it can be different. So for someone that might be reading poetry or writing their own poetry in the evening, for other people, it might be lovemaking for other people. It might be that quiet time alone in the kitchen to, to clean the kitchen. What brings you peace and what, I like to think of rest really as creating some space. Rest should really be a little bit about nothingness.
0: Oh, that's such an interesting, I love the way you put that because uh, I feel like traditionally you would think rest is laying, laying down, doing nothing, right? And it, it sounds like for, for you and, and maybe for a lot of people, it could be just something, it sounds like where you, where you feel at peace which mm. is very different than just uh lack of movement is Agreed. maybe, but, right? So, yeah. So that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I think most importantly, it needs to be some time and space that is set aside that is free of stressors. And I think we overlook you know that again the mainstream news cycle on repeat is a major stressor and just having an earbud
0: right like how many people do you see now we have the wireless earbuds everybody is it's i mean it's a part of it's like an appendage it's like <laughs> it's a part of people's bodies they walk around with a stimulus in their ear literally all day and um i'm i'm still old school like i i've got a wire i got a wired set and i don't like things in my ear but that, that's probably one of the hardest things I hear from, from people is, well, it's, I'm just it's I'm just listening to music or I'm I'm watching this thing that makes me feel calm. Like it could be mind numbing whatever video on YouTube or Netflix or whatever it is. Cause sometimes you do. It's like when you're in a state of stress and overwhelm, you just want to like numb your brain. Like how many, how many times have you heard that? I just want to numb my brain. But um sometimes
1: and so we're drawn to those things that kind of perpetuate this constant background hum of like uh uh, of sort of staying uh slightly sort of triggered and engaged like a lot of people watch movies i think there's nothing wrong with watching movie or having entertainment but you know are you are you is it creating a cortisol release like is it a scary movie um you know are we trying to go to bed then because you said how much sleep well You'll know because you'll wake up on your own when you, when you're, when you wake up is when you've had enough sleep, like the body knows that. But a lot of us are waking up at three in the morning because we've got this chronic cortisol release and we're doing things that are stimulating our adrenal glands far outside of their normal sort of range of activity. And that's, you know, that's where we get into trouble. That's where they start to fatigue. And a lot of people say, oh, I wake up at three in the morning to use the bathroom. Like, well, you wouldn't feel your bladder, if you weren't already slightly alert and you wouldn't be alert if that cortisol hadn't gone off at the wrong time. It's there's so many things you learn. I know, right? I
0: know. Well, I mean, Darcy, I, I love talking to you. I think you bring a wealth of information and, um, I love hearing your own stories and your own, um, experience because I think that it's relatable and the program that you have created and, you know, our help is just helping women. I know across the board, and I encourage anybody that is listening to, to check Darcy out, we'll put all your information in the show notes. And I know we started, we started the show talking about, you know, the hormonal change in perimenopause. And I wanted to circle back to that as we end the show, because I think what I gathered from this, from talking to you is that A- Maybe if you think you're in, maybe if you are in your, you know, in your thirties or, or early forties, and you're experiencing a lot of these symptoms that are kind of traditionally labeled as Perry, maybe, maybe that's not what it is. Maybe there's something else. Maybe there's a hormonal imbalance created by some sort of nutritional deficiency or some adrenal fatigue or whatever that is. So, so that's kind of one thing I've, I've taken away. And, and B is if you are in the change, there are steps that you can take just in terms of movement, in terms of food, even if it's not taking away things, just adding things and working slowly. And that it is a process. It's not a stage to reach. It's just more of a journey and a path that you will be on that will continually evolve. So, so do you have anything else that uh, you wanted to share with the audience or um, give any of your own takeaways That's beautifully said. Thank you for that beautiful summary.
1: Well, I just want to let people know that the opportunity to come into that program, my Vibrant Woman course is available once a year. We do it in January and registration is open now. And as a special gift to you, Rashida, and all of your guests, I want to offer women $500 off of the cost of that course. So they can come in and give this a try and give themselves a gift. And, uh, you know, if it feels like a stressful thing to try to change right now, I would say trust that instinct. You know, there's no reason to rock the boat right now. But I think for a lot of us, we kind of feel that inner nudge and that curiosity that what if things could be different and better for me? So I want to throw this out there as well. You know, the holidays can be a wonderful time to make a gift for yourself. And how often do women really do that? Invest in themselves and give themselves a gift. And so that's my gift to you as $500 off if that would be something, if that speaks to you and um, we've got that's a community. great, we'll put
0: a pro- promo code or something and we'll, um, yeah. we'll add that into the, into the show notes. And I think that's a really great thing that you said, it's just listen to your body and listen to where you are in life. Because I think adding, if it, if it does feel stressful, it's, you don't want to try something that just fall off because it's just one more thing to your load. I think everything comes in naturally to your life at the point in time of when you can actually what whatever change it is whether it's change or add or edit or whatever it is um i think that uh things things are brought at least in my experience things have been brought into my life at just the right time where you know there's a little hook you can kind of you know uh hook onto um and so i, I like I, I appreciate that you sort of sometimes it and sometimes people need to explicitly hear if it's not if it's not the right time right now you don't need to push it but if it is there's an opportunity
1: to um, have a significant discount and and we'll put that in, so. Absolutely, that's my gift to you. And that's that's the thing I would just leave you with is to trust your beautiful body and trust your timing.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you, Darcy. Thank you so much for being on the show again. It's always a pleasure talking with you and I appreciate you so much. Same, thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Well, I hope that you got so much out of that episode. I know I did. I am so happy that Darcy came back on the show. She is a great person to talk with. She's got a wealth of information and you can feel and hear her passion about the work that she does because she not only does the work, but she lives and breathes it, right? She lives the lifestyle that she teaches. And I think it's really impactful when the person that you are going on a journey with has not only gone through their own journey, but really, really lives it um, really authentically. And so I am super pleased that she's offering a discount for my listeners that's really amazing and the timing of this release you still have time to sign up for it it's only open once a year and the course starts January 8th and um, I really encourage you to click on the link follow Darcy you know um, check her out on social media we'll have all the links in the show notes and really the things that I took away from this episode are really basic right that a um, when you want to make a change make it for you don't make it because you feel pressure don't add it to a things you know another list of things that you need to do make the change when you need to when you want to when you can when it feels good to you so there's no pressure If it's not right for you this year there's always next year Um, and number two is that change happens gradually And so if you know that the process is a process, you aren't trying to get to the finish line, but you're actually trying to make the journey. And so any change that you make, just know that it is a journey and that the payoff is dividends. The payoff is you feeling at your best, where you're not feeling depleted, where you're not feeling tired, where you're not feeling overly worked, and you're actually living a balanced life and one that is not only good for you but for your children as well for your spouse for your partner for your family for your friends Um, you know the paradigm shift is massive when you start thinking of food in a way of where it was really originally meant to be so i leave you with all the best wishes for a happy new year and thank you so much for listening this podcast has been an amazing experience um, and sharing all these stories with you from women across the world. And it really is because of you. It's because of your loyalty. So subscribe, follow, share it with a friend. And again, happy new year and happy connecting.